What's going on guys? Welcome to another episode of Eastern Current Fishing. We're excited to be here in the studio today recording another podcast. It's a Sunday morning, um, early in the morning. We're getting some knocked out for the coming week uh, and excited to be doing that for y'all. We've got a great guest. Another, uh, we haven't done this in a while, but a Weekend Warriors uh, podcast. And uh, this guy's been catching a lot of big trout up on you know the lower Pamlico uh, sound area. And so we wanted to get him on here and, and talk through his, his tactics and, and some of the stuff that he's kind of put together. Uh, he's been catching some really nice fish and, and, and putting together some patterns and some trends that, that hopefully can help y'all catch some fish. Um, but before we get into that, just wanted to give y'all a reminder to go check out our Patreon page. We just did a huge giveaway on there yesterday. Um, gave away three slots for like a nearshore guided fishing trip, uh, rods, reels, a bunch of tackle. And um, I, I upload uh, some, I haven't done it the past week because I just had a baby, but I'm going to start doing uh, guide trip breakdowns each for each trip or at least three or four trips a week. Um, so y'all can kind of figure out if I, as long as I'm inshore fishing, if I'm offshore or near shore fishing, I'm going to kind of leave that alone, but all my inshore trips for redfish, trout, flounder, I'll, I'll be breaking down for y'all and kind of letting y'all, uh, in on, on what was working for me tackle wise and, and, uh, you know, what I kind of figured out throughout the day. Um, also go check out our Facebook group. Um, it's Eastern current fishing. You can hop on there and, uh, you know, download and connect with other listeners, um, but let's go ahead and bring our guest on. We got Brian Melvin. What's going on, man? Is it Melvin? Am I saying it right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. I, I'm really good at uh, or pronouncing last names wrong, so I just want to double check. Thank you for uh, for coming on the podcast with us. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure, man. For sure. Uh, your brother reached out, and, and he, he turned me on to you. He was like, hey, you need to have my brother on. We all love catching big trout, but, but he's kind of figured it out more so than the rest of us. And um, yeah, I was already thinking like, God, I need to find some more weekend warrior, um, you know, guys to bring on that, that have, you know, normal jobs, but still get out there and, and get it done on the weekends or after work. Yeah. That's, I love it. I love big speckled trout. They're addicting, or man. All, but yeah, <laughs> I like all speckled trout above like 15 or 16 inches. I like yeah. the little ones too, but I'd rather, rather just catch the bigger ones. Um, yep. Well, cool. Well, tell let's uh, let's hear your backstory. Kind of where'd you grow up? How'd you get into uh, fishing? And then how did that lead into you know pursuing big speckled trout? Uh, so I'm originally from Lumberton, North Carolina. Um, my dad has taken me fishing, and my brother, since uh, as far back as I can remember. Uh, started out, you know, bass, bream, uh, fishing a pond in the neighborhood we grew up in. Nice. Uh, gentleman named Mr. Brooks always. Anytime we wanted to go fishing, just stop by, ride our bikes over there. It was about a, I don't know, half a mile bike ride from the house and a fishing pole in one hand, a tackle box in the other. And nice. We were big enough to take our sails fishing. Anytime we wanted to go, he, you know, he was always willing to let us run around his yard and fish in his yard. Um, my dad was always, uh, he loved flounder fishing. Okay. So that's, we grew up, um, we had a little camper down at Oak Island, down at, mm-hmm. I guess it was uh, called Long Beach then. Well, I mean, I guess it's still Long Beach, but um, he was always a flounder fanatic. So, you know, that's what we grew up saltwater fishing was flounder fishing. And we'd catch speckled trout here and there, puppy drum, but it was always big flounder he was after. Um, it wasn't until... I guess really when I moved to Greenville and started fishing with some friends that started chasing speckled trout more, there's pretty good speckled trout fishery here. Yeah. I mean, 
or puppy drum too, but um, I didn't really get hooked on catching speckled trout until I accidentally caught a freaking monster. Um, <laughs> buddy, Nick Browning, and he had found some speckled trout, and I'd actually let him borrow my little 15 foot John boat at the time, and he'd found some trout. So we went fishing the next day. And uh, he spanked my butt all morning catching trout. <laughs> they were good, decent trout, uh, 18 inches or so. And the second or third fish I catch is like a six and a half pound, 26 and a half inch uh, trout. And mm. I freaked out, man. Can't hardly breathe, you know, heart racing. And it was something after that that all I wanted to do was chase speckled trout. Yeah. That's just, that's been my thing ever since. I've kind of put some things together and kind of shifted more towards what I really love to do is topwater fish for them because it has really produced some beautiful fish. Um, I'm pretty particular to a one knocker. Oh, yeah. Um, that's that's my this guy right here that guy and that called the, the foxy shad yeah yeah that's that's actually the one i caught a uh 30 inch trout on a couple weeks ago really yeah that's, that's awesome that's one that's uh that's I one color that. i've never even thrown <laughs> really i yeah. love it man i love it you can't even hardly i've tried to find another one knocker and i cannot find another one like this i've tried Greenville Marine, Noose, everywhere. I've been everywhere. Have it, can you find them online or no? Mm, yeah, I just I like buying buckle. I hear you. I hear you. Well, maybe I'll have to paint you up. I just got a bunch of one knocker blanks, and I'll paint you up on that color. <laughs> hey, yeah. <laughs> what is it, what's the belly on that? The belly color on that? Is it like a gray? White. It's white. Okay. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Then like a gold side and a blue back. Yeah, it's almost. It's similar to like a sexy. Sh what'd you call it? Uh. Foxy shad. Foxy shad. It kind of looks like yeah. that sexy shad a little bit, the blue. Shad's more of a, got like a chrome finish to it. Yep, yep. Well, so, sweet. I mean, that, you know, that probably, um, my better half actually just bought me one. I haven't had the, the chance to use yet, so. Nice. Um, so, we'll tell me, what did that, that first big fish you caught, that first big speckled trout that got you hooked, what did that fish eat? Uh, a electric chicken, I think it's called a provoker by... Oh man! Yeah, you Here's might want to find out before you type. Just type in "provoker" on Google to try to find it. <laughs> um, Marilure makes it. Is it a hard bait? Yeah. No, it's a soft bait. It's a soft bait. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, just just rigged rigged on a jig head, or are you fishing under a cork yep. or anything like that? Nice. Quarter ounce again. Cool. Now I mean, nailed it. He nailed, she it. nailed it. You knew yeah. you knew she was big right off the bat. Oh, yeah. yeah, I thought it was a, I thought it was a drum. Until I saw her come by the boat, and it was, oh. It's crazy, yeah. man. The way those big fish eat, they're confusing at first because you're like, is this a really big trout? Is it a drum? But so many yep. times you'll – like a drum, you set into it, and they start moving pretty quick. I feel like a lot of times you set into those big trout, and they kind of just hold in one spot for a second. Yeah. That's, yeah. This one, as soon as I set the hook, I mean, peeled offline. Really? She made a – yeah, which the – most of the other ones I've caught are just like you say, as soon as you stick them, it's like, what? They don't move much until right. they figure out what's going on them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, uh, well, cool. That's kind of 
really interesting to see. I always love hearing people's stories about like how they really got into the trout fishing because more so than any other inshore fish, at least here in North Carolina, really anywhere, the trout is like when you get that bug, it's like this whole different type of sickness, this whole different type of you know drive to learn how to catch them. And I think it's because you – I don't know what it – I guess my, my kind of theory is you know like a big redfish isn't very hard to catch. You know, you put yeah. something in front of a big redfish – whether it be bait or you know any type of artificial, they're probably going to eat it. They're very opportunistic feeders, but but the big trout, there's like so many little nuances that go into like when are they going to bite? I mean, not that you can't catch one you know, any given day, but you, like in the fall when the fishing's good, you look at the moon cycle and the barometric pressure and stuff, and and you'll have these like weeks or these couple windows where like a lot of big trout are caught, and it kind of dies off a little bit, and a lot of big trout are caught, so. There's definitely a lot of science behind it. And I think that's what's gotten me, you know, so hooked on it and, and, and probably most other people. But um, now that you're now that you're, you know, hooked on it, let's talk about what you started to learn and put together, you know, as someone who just gets to fish on the weekends. Um, what are some of the patterns that you've begin to begin to see? Um, so well, I'll kind of stick more with this time of year. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Let's do summertime patterns. So, what I look for when I am going fishing this time of year is shallow water, close to, and by shallow, I mean the the last one I caught was in like 20 inches of water maybe. Wow. 24. I mean, it was was shallow, Um, but in close proximity to deep water. Yeah. By, you know, here it's... Um, no moving water really, unless yeah. the wind hard. So shallow water in close proximity to deep water, and coarse bait. Yep. Um, Is there a specific bait you like to see this time of year, or, or just just active bait? Uh, active bait. I active mean, bait. Yeah. Yeah. As long as I can, as as long as I see that there's life there, then that's the place i want to key in on um i do think having some grass is a big plus yeah um farther down closer to the sound sometimes it's kind of hard to find grass but Mm -hmm. anyway generally shallow water like a shallow a shallow flat yeah close deep water is a good place to start looking awesome um Anywhere there's a, some kind of a bottom contour, um, I've caught two this month in like a hundred yard stretch of bank, same hundred yard stretch of bank that have been on the same place. It's been on a, a hump that's in, you know, up on a shoal. So nice. Came the thirty inch trout and caught one last, not yesterday, the last Saturday that was twenty five and a half that came off of a hump on a flat that's about 150 yards away from deep water. Nice. So, it's uh, it's funny, those those fish definitely, they're creatures of habit. They'll come to the same spots. Big fish will like the same spots. I mean, you got to think it's it's got to be because there's probably only, you know, two factors really that they feel secure and safe in that area and that it's a mm-hmm. good area for them to, to find bait or to be able to ambush bait. So um, that, that's really cool that you, that you called them uh, – in that exact same spot, you know, back to back. I had a day like that this fall 
where we caught four citations off of one dock in two days. <laughs> so it was, it, they definitely like, some people say that the big ones don't hang out together. They definitely hang out together or near each other or, or they're attracted to the same areas. Maybe it's not that they want to like be hanging out with another big fish, but it's that they're both attracted to that area because it's a, a productive spot for them to be hanging out. Um, which means it's a productive spot for us to be fishing. <laughs> so the oh, more yeah. spots like that you can find, the better off you're going to be. Um, yeah. we'll, were both those on top water? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, on, on the uh, Foxy Shad? Um, yeah. One was on a one knocker and one was on a super spook. The, actually, the smaller fish, 25 and a half, was on a super spook um, in the Foxy Shad. Sweet. Do you do anything yeah. with those top water? Do you change the hooks up or, or swap them around or anything like that? Yeah, I've actually I've got that one with me too. So I uh, take the hooks that come with it off and huh. throw them away. Um, nice. I, I remove the center hook and use number ones. Buy a pack of number one trebles, and that has uh, worked pretty well. Who makes? Do you know who makes those trebles? These are actually eagle claws. Eagle claws. Okay, sweet. Because I've noticed too, like when I started painting plugs. And putting hooks on them, like, you know, different hook manufacturers' sizes are different. Like, yeah. you know, some number one from, you know, one manufacturer might be too big for that bait as where, you know, some other other ones, other number ones might be too small. So uh, those Eagle Claws are strong hooks too, but they're they're real sticky as well. Um, that's uh, that's cool. Have you ever played around with hook color or anything? I've noticed that on mirror lures lately. Like they're starting to put gold hooks on some of them and black hooks and silver um, hooks. I haven't. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's a huge deal. Yeah, I don't really think it's that big of a deal. If they're getting they're... that picky, <laughs> do what? Yeah, that picky. Uh, yeah, you know. I'll catch them the next day or something. Yeah. Um, one thing I want to try a little bit this this year is maybe not on my mirror lures, but on some of my top waters is is tying those uh, feathers on the tail, so I've got a little more of an action up on the surface. But I mean, those trout, man, when they are eating top water, they're just it doesn't seem like much matters other than yep. that they want to eat a top water. Other than speed. I've noticed speed. You, as soon as you start, you've got to figure out what speed they want. Yeah. I mean, you know, maybe a pause here and there. Um, but speed is definitely a, a big factor that I've seen. Well, take me through speaking of that kind of throughout the year here what your retrieve top water wise will be from like cold winter months to, um, you know, heat of summer. All right. Um, you know, the, the colder it is generally the slower I'm going to work it. Um, I don't usually start throwing top water until April or so when the water's up into at least the lower sixties. Okay. Um, I called them, I think the coldest I ever caught one was in October maybe early November on uh, like 59 degrees or so okay. the coldest I've ever called them. So, okay. Um, generally the warmer it gets, the faster you go, but I still keep a pretty slow tempo as long as they're eating. And there's, you know, there's been days that I've fished with friends or my brother and, um, One's working a little faster, one's working a little slower, and just see where which you know which speed works better. But generally, I'm a little bit slower than most people that I fish with. Nice. And um, just, 
sorry, one thing that I always tell people, um, and I push this in a lot of podcasts and on YouTube and whatnot, but um, that topwater is just such an incredible search bait. Like for so many people yep. at first, it feels like this really intimidating bait that, you know, why am I throwing this? It's like, I, I'd rather just catch fish. I don't need to catch them on topwater, but it's one of my most confident baits for redfish and trout now because yep. you, it, it has so much presence in the water. It makes so much noise that, you know, those fish can see that water moving. They can see that plug cutting back and forth. They can hear it. Um, and I feel like you can draw a fish in from a lot further. Yeah, every fish isn't going to eat a topwater. But I feel confident that the fish is, even if I don't see them, is at least going to know my bait's there. As where, like, if I'm just blind casting a mirror lure or a jig head, not that it won't get eaten. I just feel like there's less of a chance that the fish is going to see it um, yep. overall. So tell me about this. Like, in the summertime... Is there a certain time usually that you stop throwing that topwater plug, or do you kind of let those fish tell you when you might need to switch it up? Uh, basically let them tell you when it's time to switch it up. Okay. Um, sometimes you can fish for, it might just last 45 minutes to an hour. Um, Are you saying 45 minutes to an hour, like from first light on? I'm sorry, yeah. 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 First, I mean, when you can first see. If you're not there 45 minutes before sunrise you're late yeah yeah um but yeah uh, fish you know generally until they quit eating it yeah i mean sometimes they'll, they'll still strike at it and i've caught some i caught actually caught i think i sent you the, the pictures earlier yeah um, two one was 26 one was 26 and a half in about, I mean, 10 to 15 minutes apart from each other. And it was actually, I mean, it was, the sun was high, um, like two and a half hours after sunrise. So, I mean, they'll, you yeah. know, it was a beautiful bluebird day. Um, you know, the more cloud cover you have, generally the longer you can fish them. And the same works in the afternoon, too. Um, you know, the sun starts getting a little bit lower, then I'll start fishing top water more. Yeah, I think a lot of what that, this is my theory, is like when it's bright sun, they don't have to sit right on this, up high in the water column to see what's on the surface. Yeah. They can sit down below and they're, they're feeding a lot more down there because they can see better. But if, if they're hungry fish and it's cloudy, they're probably going to elevate a little bit to get some more sunlight to be able to see well. And that's just a theory. There's no way that I can prove that. But it feels like that's kind of what's happening um, yeah. in those cloudier conditions. Uh, yeah, we had a, I have a buddy, Ryan Christofferson. I've had him on the podcast before and we were fishing new river late last summer this was like before the trout started migrating back down south from the chesapeake bay and the pamlico and all that um and he just is notorious for like picking that top water up every 10 minutes and throwing it for 10 minutes and then putting it back down and it was like 1:30, bright sun sweating hot and just got smoked by it ended up being like a seven and a half pound trout in the oh. middle middle of the day bright sun and i'm like of course, we threw top water for the rest of the day and didn't have like another not even sniff on it. But it's like it, it pays off to keep fishing that bait. Yeah. It was a big full size spook, three hooks. Um, th- but he does what you do, takes the middle hook off and, and, and jumps it up to a number one. But uh, it's that's a great, great bait. So tell me this though, if you're out if, and, and you feel like top water's not working. Um, actually, here's another question I wanted to go over first before we go into that. Um, do you feel like you have specific spots you're going to, or are you kind of picking a Creek and going in there and kind of working some banks that look like they're alive or, or t- kind of tell me, tell me a little bit about that. Um, usually if the wind's not blowing hard, um, I'm kind of a creature of habit. Yeah. I've got the few, 
two places that I've caught big fish that you know keep going back to. Um, if the wind's blowing hard and I have to go somewhere else, and I'm gonna go somewhere that's out of the wind yeah. and um, start looking for bait and looking for shallow water in close proximity to deep water. Yeah. Um, I think that's huge. That, yeah, I I really think that's a that's a key is the close proximity, especially this time of year. Close proximity to deep water where they can, when it gets hot, they can slide on down to some deep water and hang out after they've got their belly full. Definitely. Um, tell me this. Uh, explain, in your opinion, what that like close proximity is. So people are listening are like, okay, so it's you know, is close proximity ten feet? Is it two hundred yards? Is it quarter of a mile? What what do you like to see? I would say within 300 yards. 300 yards, okay, cool. Just the easy, just cut on over there and drop off in that deep channel. Yeah. Um, I was fishing a spot up in, this is in the Upper Noose, not Upper Noose, but just south of Newburn. And it was like this little gully, like a little ditch, and mm-hmm. then about 25 yards of flat up to the bank. And we, we, we hooked two really nice fish in there that we pulled off. This was earlier this spring. Um, and we hooked two really nice fish in there that we pulled off. But every fish we caught in there was like three feet up on that ledge. I mean, they were hanging right near that drop-off that went to like five feet of water. It was like two and a half feet of water up here. And you'd throw up to the bank, twitch, twitch with a merry lure, twitch, twitch. And then like it, you knew it was about to that edge and you just get stomped. I mean, it was almost every cast. A lot of like 16, 18, 19 inch fish, but we hooked two in there. And it really is always the big ones that get away, for, at least for me. <laughs> it sounds like you get them, but I don't. Um, and they threw the hook, but it's, uh, it's crazy how much you can pattern these fish. I think that's another thing that's so much fun about speckled trout is you can pattern them so well. Like it might be different day to day. But you can get out there and figure out what's going on, and you can be, you can really feel like a hero, kind of putting a couple of spots together. Like, okay, they're here because of this. Right, let's go hit this spot, this spot, this spot. Yep. I think another thing that I love about it is, you know, when you have it dialed in, it's great. But it's also it's not like that every time. No. Not even no. I mean, <laughs> you can throw your taco box at them, and I mean, some days they just can't figure them out. Right. At least for me. I mean, it's especially only be on the fish you know once or twice a week it's hard to consistently stay on them so for sure it's uh i don't know how you well, do it i feel like fishing every day is sometimes not enough to stay on top of yeah. stay on top of the <laughs> fish but um it's it kind of sucks that they have tails and they can move around but it's also nice keeps you on your toes all right so if you're not throwing a top water what are some of your other confidence baits like things that you're going to throw that you feel really comfortable throwing in the summer and and where do you like to throw those is it the same areas or, or different areas um yeah generally the same areas um not targeting big fish uh popping cork is deadly um yeah. i do love a mirror lure um Yazuri makes a 3D... 3DS? You like the shrimp or the minnow better? The minnow. The minnow, okay. I love it. Yeah. I haven't even... I've, I've not fished the shrimp, but that little minnow is deadly. And they crank that deadly. thing, dude. When they eat it, it's like... It's gone. Yeah, they're eating it. They really do. I just made that word up for fishing, crank it. I don't, I've never even said that before, but I mean they eat it really, really hard. Um they crank it. I'm going to have to start using that. That 3DS minnow is solid. Do you have a color that you like to fish? In, in uh, that bait? Old or either. There's, I don't I don't know what uh, 
what the name of it is, but it's got a like a it looks really natural. It's got kind of looks like a glass mina, but kind okay. of more brown. Yeah, yeah, I know the exact one you're talking about. I don't know the name of them either. It's, there's so many baits with trout fishing to try to keep up with and color yeah. names and everything. So just remembering that it's a 3ds mina is about all I can do. <laughs> do you yeah. like? Do you swap the hooks out on those when you get them? Uh, not on that one. No. Not on that one. Okay, I, I have played around with it. Some of my buddies here that fish them a lot like to swap them out to a slightly bigger hook. Um, the hooks are little. They're tiny hooks. They are small hooks. They are small hooks. Um, what was the next, uh, next thing I wanted to ask you about? Um, Oh, let's talk about your rod and reel setup as far as what you like to throw. And, um, does that vary between the baits that you're using or is it kind of just one Uh, rod? Yes. Um, generally when I'm fishing top water, at least with the, especially with the bigger baits, I always use a bait caster. I love yep. using a bait caster. I can make long casts, which I think is also very important to catching, the, especially bigger trout. It's to make as long of a cast as you can to get it away from the boat. Um, he's a seven foot TFO, medium weight. Okay. And then I, like a loose inshore um, bait caster. This. I love it. Yeah, yeah. I usually use a. Uh, I don't use fluorocarbon, especially with the top water. The I use mono. A mono f- like main line, or are you just using a mono leader? No, 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 no yeah, oh, just a leader. Gotcha. Yeah, I use braid. Cool. Um, I feel like it gives a little more stretch. Definitely. Um, or yeah, because it's it's tough with braid, man. There's there's no give. This, this the leader you got and. That's a soft rod tip. So I like a fairly soft tip where you can, um, you know, just a little a little give there. Yeah. Because that, that's a bad feeling to lose a fish because, you know, you probably pulled the hooks. Even with, I keep my drag set loose. Yeah. But you still, I mean, it's tough sometimes. It really is. People don't realize, like, if you, you look at any – treble hook fishing like anyone that takes it very seriously and they're fishing with treble hooks like let's talk about king mackerel fishing you fish a live bait king mackerel rod it looks like a big stiff trolling rod but you feel that tip and it is like a a speckled trout rod like you really need that give and you need to fish that drag loose uh, because you know you hook more fish with three hooks obviously on on a on a single base of a hook but when you get two treble hooks and a fish, they've got all these leverage points when they shake their head to pop things out. So you want to have as much give and flex as possible. So I'm glad you brought up the mono too. And, and another thing a lot of people don't know, I'm sure you know this, but just for people listening, if they, if they don't, is that that mono actually floats as well um, as opposed to fluoro, which fluoro sinks. So that mono, when you fish it on a topwater plug, is floating on the surface, which helps a lot, especially when you get into that uh, – you know, if you get into like a little bit bumpier conditions or a little choppier conditions, it keeps your uh, your plug from diving down. So, um, do you like to, uh, or do you have a specific braid that you like to fish, or are you? I use Power, Power, Pro. Power Pro Super Slick, fifteen yep. pound or twelve pound. Uh, fifteen pound, except for on my like my jig rod, I've got ten. Gotcha. gotcha I got gotcha. a medium white that actually my favorite rod to fish with, but I don't fish top water with it. Um, but yeah, I got a little medium light St. Croix that's rigged with 10 pounds. It's for, you know, light jigs and mirror lures and stuff like that. that yeah, for sure. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about – actually, let's do this first beforehand. Um, tell me if – actually, we'll save that for the end. 
Let's dive into, we were talking about at the beginning, uh, the release over 20 and how you wanted to touch on the release over 20. And I think um, anytime anybody wants to talk about conservation, I'm all about it. So, Yeah. Um, you know, that's, we use the release over 20 rule on my boat. Uh, generally, the way I feel about it, and I try to share with anybody that I fish with on my boat, if you're catching fish and you've got to put them in the freezer, there's, there should I live close enough to tackle trout fishing that if I had to put it in the freezer, I don't keep it. Right. Um, if, I mean, usually we, we'll keep one or two fish unless they're deep hooked. You know, you got deep hooked fish or they're not very healthy, then by all means keep them, don't throw back a dead fish. Um, but I think it's very important to let those big fish go and let them spawn um even if you know we've all heard the argument and somebody my netter's going to get them or whatever that that's another subject but you've done your part right um you know that's all all we can do that's huge man And, and that's that's an argument that needs to be made is the fact that at least that fish has made it through its first trial you know what I mean? Yep. You've caught him. You've let him go. He's made, That's a huge milestone for that fish and surviving. Um, and, yeah, maybe a netter will kill him, but there's a better chance that it will spawn if you let him go. Yep. There's no chance if you keep him. Better chance if you let him go. Um, yep. And I've had people bring up, like, what about males? Like, do you can you keep males over 20 inches? And um, I definitely think that it is less important to release males over 20 inches. But it's still a big fish. It's kind of probably going to be a more aggressive spawning fish, and so why not let that fish go as well? Um, yep. And and the only real way to tell is if they're croaking. So if they're not croaking, they're definitely a female. Um, you can't look down there and see their little you know male parts and be like, oh, that's a male speckled trout. <laughs> it's not how it works. But um, I, that's cool, man. I, I'm stoked to hear that that y'all are doing the release over twenty on your boat, and it's just a good education I, tool. Yeah, absolutely. And I. You know, going back to the male fish, typically if if I'm going to keep some and I hear, if I hear them drumming, grumming, that's the one that's going. That's the one that's going in the box. Yeah. If you hear, if you're a speckled trout and you're listening to this podcast and you get caught, don't make any noises when you get on the boat. It'll help you. Uh, we we've actually started to get some fish that are actually listening to this podcast. That's the dumbest <laughs> dad joke I've ever made, but I guess I'm a dad now, so I can I can make it. <laughs> yeah, congratulations on that. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thank you, thank you. Well, cool. Well, we're at 30 minutes, and we can keep going for sure. But I think it's I think let, let's just see what if you could, if someone walked up to you at the dock and they're like, "Give me your best piece of advice for going out and catching big speckled trout," and then your best piece of advice for just going out and catching speckled trout in general, any size. Give me those two last tips, and then we'll uh, we'll wrap her up. Uh, especially with this time of year, I would say take your bug spray and get there early. Yeah. Very early. Yep. Um, if you know they're in the area, that's, uh, yeah, beat it up, stick to it. Yep. That, that's one, that's one thing that's, that brings up something I wanted to bring up earlier. Do you work through a spot or, or how long will you sit on a spot and fish it? If you feel like uh, the fish are there, if I feel like the fish are there, um, generally, as as slow as I can with the wind, I like to let the wind blow me. Yeah. Like whenever I, get, especially in shallow water, I think this is, this is something else is pretty important. Okay. Um, 
when you get in shallow water, the first thing I do is before I leave the ramp, I try to get some water in my live well. Yeah. That way, once I am, I stop way before where I want to fish at as far as run the engine and want to stay in deep water and use a trolling motor to get up in shallow water. Um, I don't have any electronics on once I get in the shallow water because it's usually like, I mean, two and a half feet deep and you can scare fish a long ways away. I dropped a net the other day and saw a swirl that was like 50 or 60 yards away from me that I know was a fish that I scared by dropping the yeah. fucking net. Oh, yeah. Um, so the live well pump's not on. The um, fish finder's not on. And if I can help it, I don't use a trolling motor unless okay. it's just kind of, um, you know, keep the keep the boat away from the bank. But if I can, if the wind's blowing on the somewhere I want to fish and it's blowing down the bank, I'm gonna use that to my advantage the most that I can to be yeah. as spotted. Definitely, stealth is very, key. Very, very important is to make long casts and be as quiet as possible. Yeah. You always get uh, those guys that love to open the cooler lid and let it slam on the oh. boat, and I'm like, God, you can't do that. Don't do that. Yeah. Whether you're oh. trout fishing or uh, or sight fishing for redfish or any of the above, but um, being quiet and sneaky is is great, is very important. And and you see a lot of guys that run right up to their spot, come off plane, start fishing, and you oh, know, with okay. some fish that works with bass and stuff like that, you can be pretty aggressive. But speckled trout and any fish that likes to go up and lay up in shallow water any type of large disturbance like that or even medium or small size disturbance is going to freak them out. So it's uh, it's important I, to be stealthy. I was fishing a couple months ago and I wasn't catching big fish, but had found a, a pretty good size school of like well, 17, 18 inch trout. Yeah. And I mean, it was almost every, every cast, every other cast catching the fish and here comes somebody in a boat then instead of staying in the channel cuts across the shoal and i mean they didn't get super close to me but you know 150 200 yards away and as soon as they got in that shallow water and ran across that shoal it instantly shut off they were really? done. Mm. done it's good to see that though for for i mean i i hate that it happened to you but now you know like all right if i want to fish this area you know, the fish are affected at this point, you know, and if it's an area that's got a ton of boat traffic, I think they get a little more used to it. Yeah. Um, you know, like some of the areas down here where I'm fishing around the inlets and stuff like that, there's boats zipping around all the time. But when I'm in that calm, no current water, um, like, like that you fish, whenever I'm fishing new river up on the Pamlico, it's way more of like a, um, you, you need to sneak around or you can really shut a bite down. So I think the current is one of the big things that keeps them a little more comfortable to noise and whatnot. If you got heavy current around inlets, they're just used to that traffic a little bit more than if they're out on those big open flats. So um, you hear guys in Texas, or I see posts all the time from guys in Texas getting so pissed off that somebody's running running down the same flat that they're on. And um, I, I mean, I would too. It's 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 super yep. frustrating if if it shuts your bite down. So well, cool, yep. man. Well, is there anything else you want to touch on before we uh, we close this one out? Uh, that's about it well sweet man well thank you so much for coming on uh, we'll have to we'll have to get together and do some fishing sometime yeah man come see us well guys thank y'all so much for checking out this episode of eastern current i hope that helps y'all with your summertime trout fishing uh, we're going to dive back into some red fishing episodes after this but we've had a lot of questions about summertime trout fishing where do the trout go what do they do how do i catch them um, and so i've been wanting to uh, kind of jump in and, and share some of that with y'all with some of our our guests that have these fish pretty dialed in. So uh, as always, 
See you in the next episode. Later.